Hey there, this is Dave, and welcome to another episode of the Budding Industry Podcast. Uh, I'm here again with my co-host, Gabe. Uh, say hi, Gabe. Hey, everybody. Uh, we are very excited today to be speaking with Michael Elkin, who is the Director of Strategic Sales at CCI, Cannabis Compliance, Inc. They are a group of subject matter experts based in Canada who've helped a majority of uh, Canadian LPs navigate through the legal and regulatory systems here in Canada. Um, Michael has a huge amount of knowledge that we were able to talk to him about and uh, we're excited to share with you. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought this was a really cool interview because it came from a very corporate point of view. Um, one of the reasons we started this podcast was to check all the angles at which people are, are hitting this new industry from. And to hear this corporate standpoint was, was very cool. Um, Michael has a really cool background. He was really happy to share his story, so I won't spoil too much of it because I really want to let him tell it. Um, but it's from his background in security design, uh, how he translated that skill into the cannabis industry and everything else that his company is doing. Um, I thought this was a very interesting look at the corporate and regulatory side of things as opposed to what we discussed in our first episode, which was somebody who had started a blog, created a lifestyle brand. That's one interesting aspect of this new industry, um, but the corporate aspect, the regulatory aspect is obviously huge and it's really interesting to hear from people with that kind of background as well. So without uh, any other delays, let's jump into it. Stripped down to my skin and my bones. I love huskies, but I feel like a wolf. In a pack, but I feel all alone. I'm scared. All right, so welcome to the Budding Industry Podcast for another episode. I'm your host, Gabe, and I'm here with Dave as usual. And today we have our, our guest, Michael Elkin from Cannabis Compliance. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you doing today? We're doing great, and it's a pleasure to have you. So just really to jump into it, can you tell us a bit about cannabis compliance? What is it? And tell us what you do there. Sure. Um, so what we are is a group of subject matter experts that operates in the um, Canadian ACMPR space. Um, we basically work at the entry level in terms of applications, uh, compliance and regulatory affairs. So. If you're looking to touch cannabis in any type of legal framework, uh, we will help you get a license in that um, sort of regulatory regime. So we specialize in Canada. Um, currently, right now, we're roughly about 40 um, salaried consultants that work uh, mainly based out of Toronto and across the country. Currently, right now, um, we've written um, roughly 35% of the active 500 applications in with the Canadian government. Um, we're building wow. about 10 to 15 LP sites across the country. Um, and we're working with about 50 of the 101 licensed producers in some type of capacity, whether that's in a um, expansion, uh, secondary license, or um, a market in another, uh, sorry, a license in another market. Um, we're, we're helping them um, grow. Okay, so cool. So you really help all kinds of companies get licensed in Canada. And as you said, you've expanded internationally. You've mentioned that you uh, you said you're about 40 salaried consultants. What kind of backgrounds are you guys? Are you guys lawyers? Or is it is it all different specialties? Yeah. So uh, the way that the company was formed was really to be able to bring value to a licensed producer. So we have people that uh, that specialize in cultivation, quality assurance, uh, food, CPG, pharma, narcotics, security, um, uh, marketing, business, finance. 
I think the one thing that we, we, we aren't is lawyers who have anybody um, with a law degree um, in our company. Wow, interesting. Really from, the, from the grassroots and some of the early people that started with the company come from, you know, Tweed and Afria and um, Prairie Plan Systems, um, Bonafide. So we've hired from the actual space. Okay, interesting. And how about yourself? How did you uh, find yourself at Cannabis Compliance? Um, so I got hired in December of 2016, and, and before that, uh, my background comes from uh, industrial security. So I used to work for one of the largest um, secure, uh, correctional services security integrator, uh, Marcom Systems Group, a uh, security company based out of Ottawa. Um, so I was... Um, I helped design uh, maximum penitentiaries, uh, hospitals, wow. when it came to like cameras and access control. And then what happened in um, 2013, um, I, was, I was on my way to work one day and I heard that a company was going to buy the Hershey factory and turn it into uh, a, a cannabis facility. <laughs> um, so I, I managed to um, begin working with um, Chuck Rafici and Tweed back in 2013. I helped um, design the, um, the Hershey factory um, security. And then I saw that there was going to be a massive need for um, for security in the actual space. And it timed well. It was 2013, the summer of 2013, when the Conservative government launched the um, what was what was then the MMPR um, program. And um, at the time, you know, five years ago, there was no um, big consulting companies, um, very very little, little uh, subject matter expertise. So I really tied in what I learned in terms of like large scale industrial security into these cannabis facilities. And you know, from working with, with Chuck and Tweed, I, I then helped John Fowler uh, design the, the first phase of, of Seven Acres up in Concordon. And then I went on to design the, um, the Delshin facility, or, or sorry, the 48 North facility in Timmins. Um, I did some work with the guys up at the Hydropothecary. And uh, from 2013 to, to 2015, I, I designed about 40 different um, facilities wow. in the actual space. So I ran alongside D David Hyde in, in the space, and then what happened was the guy that owns, the gentleman who owns CCI, also owns a company called NHP Consulting. Actually, in November of 2016, what happened is that Health Canada had offered me a job, and okay. um, I managed to pass on that job, and then um, the, the guy who owns NHP was launching CCI and was looking for a security subject matter expert. And I fit the role, and um, I was employee number four. So in a year and a half almost, we've gone from four to, I think we're actually at 42 right now. Wow. Nice, yeah, some big growth. I guess that sort of coincides with the industry. It's it's interesting, just taking it back to what you said. First of all, that was not the background I think we were expecting to hear from you. Um, and it sort of goes in line with what you said, how you, you don't think there's any lawyers at your company, which is the opposite of what we kind of had an idea of what cannabis compliance might look like to, to me, when I, at least when I thought about it, I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's a team of lawyers helping people, you know, doing what they would do if they were outsourcing their legal work as they're trying to become legitimate players in the cannabis industry. But it seems like you guys take more of a holistic approach. As you said, you have the security background, you have cultivators yeah. and things like that. So it's a more large scale consulting rather than just oh, making sure that, you know, all T's are crossed and I's are dotted. Because I got news for you, the other 65% of the applications that are in with the Canadian government that we did not write are either done by piecemeal, right? So they're going to hire another security consultant. They're going to hire somebody who knows cultivation. Uh, they're going to hire a lawyer. And not that 
you know, a license end all be all is with CCI, but you know, a huge portion of our of our business is going through applications that we had nothing to do with, that we didn't write, that have been stuck right. in the actual queue. So what we found is that what the Canadian government is, what they're looking for in terms of uh, an application is that holistic approach, is going from like seat to sale, is going like, how do you operate in the facility from, from a flow uh, perspective? How is there like no cross-contamination? What happens to the flower once it's planted, once it's trimmed, mm-hmm. once it's packaged? Um, and what we found is like lawyers cannot do that. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be able to, to, so the guy who runs our cultivation division is the one that designed Tweed Niagara on the lake. Well, mm-hmm. I could find as many like tomato growers as possible, but if I could <laughs> find someone that designed a 300,000 square foot cannabis greenhouse and ask him to do that, you know, 60, 70 times over with, with you know, on applications, working, you know, on a holistic approach with an entrepreneur, then that's more benefit than, you know, going in finding like a lawyer to try and do a cultivation plan. Yeah, right. absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. It's just, I guess when you sort of hear the name, you know, cannabis compliance, it sort of gives off that that vibe. And it, it's cool that it's a lot more than what sort of just stuck out to be in my mind. Yeah. And we get that. We get that all. We get that all the time. And what's amazing is I'm seeing that firsthand being in California since, since January is this entire program for the last 20 years has been run by lawyers. And what's amazing is that the state is not looking for lawyer templated SOPs and compliance. What they're looking for is it's like the Canadian subject matter matter expertise compliance. And that's a massive problem that this state is facing right now is that they don't want to hear anything to do with compliance. Hmm. So it's it's a completely different animal in, in this space here. And what's amazing, I came up, I wrote a blog yesterday about it, about it's it's two completely different uh, amazing animals, right? Canada, we've been operating in this insane compliant regulatory space for the last five years, and we have the utmost, highest uh, standard operating procedures. And then I'm in California, where all it's been for the last 20 years has been like borderline black market huh. program. The Wild West. It's totally the Wild West. And coming down here, they pay lawyers $200 an hour. They're not going to pay hmm. a cannabis consultant $200 an hour. That's the, the hard sell here. But it's we're finding ways around that. Um, but it's just amazing to see that like I've almost gone back in time. Huh. So it sounds like one of the main benefits is really you've, you've put through so many applications and worked with so many people at this point that the learnings that you have on the process is really what gives you the edge versus people who haven't done it before who aren't as familiar with the process as you are. Is that, is that right? I'm, I'm borderline off the record guaranteeing licenses. We've done this. <laughs> and we've had, we've had zero rejections. Wow. We have, we have not had one application that we've submitted that's gotten rejected. Um, and at this stage right now, like we have an open line of communication with multiple teams at Health Canada. Um, you know, we've, we've averaged, I think, five or six licenses in the last four months. Um, we have it down to a science. Hmm. We, we know what they want to see and we put it into onto paper. So that's why I say like what this space is right now, because there's no roadmap, right? There's no manual on how to run a, a 20,000 square foot cultivation facility or hmm. how to start a vape pen uh, manufacturing line. None of this stuff exists. Right. It's uncharted so, territory. It's uncharted. So what I'm looking for and what our company is looking for is amazing entrepreneurs. I say, give me an amazing entrepreneur and I will scale cannabis around them. Hmm. So, you know, like what some of the other offerings that the CCI has, we have an entire recruitment division. We've launched education 
uh, I think on Monday. So we understand some of the, we've identified what we think are the massive gaps in this space, which are proper like operational businesses, proper compliance, mm -hmm. education, uh, recruitment, because there's no humans. There's, there's no human infrastructure to, to run these facilities. Right. There's no master growths left. There's no quality assurance people. Uh, you have to be able to find somebody that's good at something else and train them. I guess that, that sort of leads me to what my question was going to be is what is the ideal candidate look for you? You know, you say you have this great success rate. Um, what does the ideal yeah. person look like? Somebody that understands the, the CapEx, right? Somebody that has... Um, not money to burn, but you have to understand something. The way that the government has laid this out, you're not going to make money on day one. You're going to make money on like day 426. Yeah. Right. So somebody understands that the long-term ROI, I'm, I'm very hot and heavy right now saying, if you're looking to make five, five million bucks in like the next one to two years, I'm not, we're not the right firm for you. Hmm. If you're looking to make a hundred million in 10 years, then that's what we're looking for. Hmm. So somebody understands that, that it's a long-term play here, like the anti-day trader, um, somebody understands huh. that Canada, Canada will lead the, the international market. Okay. Uh, understanding that, like the, the European, uh, that there's 700 million people in Europe, and countries like Poland that have 30 million people are going to import finished products only from countries like Canada. Or Germany that has 80 million people is going to have import of flour and tincture for the next three years while they even get their their programs up and running. So understanding that. There's, the domestic market in Canada is nothing. Hmm. It's the springboard to, to Europe uh, that's the real um, sort of North Star here, if that makes sense. Right, yeah, exactly. It's more of an Eastern... It's, what, I'd say it's an Eastern star from where we're sitting, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. But that's what I'm explaining to, to California companies here. So we struck a deal about a week ago with one of the biggest vape pen uh, extractors in North America. So what we pitched them on the idea is come up to Canada and become operational through licensing, not through royalty licensing agreements, hmm. uh, and then have a springboard to Europe. Like, why do you want to give an LP um, royalties on your brand when they're going to make all the money? When you come into Canada, you set up a Canadian entity, you have the ability to get licensed properly, set up an operation, go public, and then you export to the international markets. So... That's a huge sale that we're pushing actively right now to our to these California companies. Okay, interesting. So you've been in the sector for a really long time, uh, uh, and with CCI for for many years. How how have you seen the landscape change and evolve in in the past few years, and especially since legalization was announced? Well, in, we've already gone through one entire. Like regime change, right? So we've gone from the MMPR to the ACMPR. We're about to go to the Cannabis Act. So in the last like five years, we've seen three program changes. We've gone through like an amazing amount of, of regulation changes, right? Uh, in terms of security, in terms of uh, security clearances, in terms of uh, how many stages of approvals there are. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we think back to you know, May of last year, we only had 45 licensed producers. So in under a year, we've the, the government has given out, you know, roughly 56 uh, more actual produ uh, production licenses. And to be honest with you, our numbers, like we think we can conservatively see four to 500 cultivators in the next five years, mm. and thousands, and I, seem to, I say that honestly, thousands of microprocessors, craft growers. Wow, so, 
so I want to just circle back to you for a second, though. You know, you've you've detailed how you were sort of in security before this security design, uh, and that's how you got into the sector. When it comes to cannabis specifically, obviously there's still a lot of stigma around the people who are involved in it, people who use it. It's 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 being eroded a bit, but it's being changed. Yeah. But it's it's still there. What uh, what's your personal history with cannabis? Like, did you have an interest in it before getting into the sector? Were you I mean, kind of casual user or anything like that? Yeah. So I um, like any other teen growing up high school, I smoked my fair share of joints, um, and then I was like turned off my mid-20s, I'm 41 years old now, um, I have like chronic back pain. When I got into this space, I started to really explore it. I, I educated myself, under, you know, full-on bought into this space once I started working in it, mm -hmm. uh, understood the benefits, and I am uh, I'm definitely a consumer. Um, I use it on a recreational basis. I use it to get rid of my back pain. I enjoy uh, vaping concentrates. I, I don't smoke. I don't consume um, flour mm -hmm. uh, and dry form right um, but yeah I think it's I think it's amazing I think this is you know at the end of the day like for me I also break it down to a holistic sort of a organic approach like I bought in a hundred percent our bodies are made up of an endocannabinoid system it's a freaking plant God gave us a, a light bulb in the sky with the Sun uh, like I'm I'm all in on it being uh, the cure for cancer hmm. all right I love it well I mean it sounds like you're in the right space then did you get any sort of pushback or anything from your family, friends, anything like that when you got into the industry or growing up using as you as you continue to use now as an adult? No, I think if anything, I'm more, I always tell people I'm also, I hit at weddings and bar mitzvahs. <laughs> Anytime that we start talking about the industry, like it's, it's always a captive conversation. Um, you know, if anything, I, we have to, we have to be extremely careful with like what we discuss. Because um, I, th I forget what the number is, something like five or six billion dollars that um, our active portfolio, what CCI represents. So I think mm. I get hit up for more about like stock questions and investments, which I have to plead the fifth and say no comment. Mm. So yeah, you know, I think that that stigma is 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 long gone. I think that there's like almost like a surface stigma to that, but I think that's just insecurities of people. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to be doing what we're doing or being in this space. To be honest mm. with you. Yeah, I totally agree. But yeah, so as we've talked about, you've said the landscape has changed. We've we've witnessed three, you know, two regime changes, three full changes on on regulations and things like that. How, as someone who's involved in the industry, what's your opinion on how it's going? Without getting too political or anything, how do you feel the the legalization effort nationwide in Canada is is looking? I think it's amazing. I think at the end of the day. The fact that I could literally go onto a Health Canada website and submit my own application to become a licensed producer is is like an amazing right of freedom. Um, I think we live in the greatest country on, on earth. I think that um, I, I think it's amazing what um, what we're doing. Um, is anything perfect? No, um, but I think that you know we can learn a lot from other places like California. Um, that are going to face in numerous, uh, you know, numerous challenges by the way that they're rolling out their program. Um, you know, one of the jokes in California is that if you think about cannabis, you have to pay a tax. <laughs> so I think, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the opportunity that we are afforded as Canadians um, is is massive, and it's you know, it's going to breed a whole new form of entrepreneur. Even down to this podcast, even down to what I'm doing, right? We're talking about like the, the octopus tentacle effect here. 
Um, I preach, I preach this all the time that you don't need to be a grower, you don't need to be a retail, um, you know, uh, owner to be operating in this space. Figure a way to supply rubber gloves to all the LPs, and it's a million dollar business ten times right. over. It's so right for for smart individuals, and and that's really the 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 amazing people that succeed in this space. You get enough smart people in a room, and they'll figure it out. And that's kind of the way I see our company. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's that's actually similar to how this podcast got started was us wondering we were just pitching ideas to each other and everyone obviously everyone has been wondering how they could make money off cannabis in Canada since it's been announced that they were going to legalize it and we were both just wondering how everybody's doing this how are they going to do it and I figured if I want to know that badly that enough people might want to know and we should probably ask because I'm sure a lot of people will be happy to tell us. <laughs> and uh, and that's kind of how it's gone from here. You know, people like yourself who've gotten into this, they may not have thought that growing up it'd be anything sort of viable. And then, and then it turned into this booming industry, as you said, now ripe for the picking. This is the optimal time. Um, and yeah, so we are seeing a lot of people get success with that. I know you said you, you can't discuss too much. You deal with a, a lot of money and a lot of things on the table, insider information, all that. But are there any success stories of, of your clients that you can share? Any Anybody that sticks out? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, give you two, I'll, I'll give you two really good um, anecdotes. Well, one of them is um, one of the licenses that we got out in, um, in Halifax, um, THC, THC Halifax. Um, so like this guy, I had met him back in 2013, um, being working for the security company. And then, um, when I got hired uh, with CCI, one of the first jobs was actually being reunited with this guy who had worked with another consulting firm. Um, and you know, he had, you know, gone into a huge disaster in terms of the build out. So I was able to like almost have a full circle with this gentleman. And then, you know, one of the first jobs was helping him get his facility up and running. And then we got him. We got him licensed. Uh, so that was like, you know, someone who was like one of the first ever applicants. I think he was like application number 11 back in 2013. Hmm. And he had just been through such a massive like uh, rigmarole in terms of uh, different companies that he was working with. And for me to be able to come in, one of my first jobs uh, with CCI was with him and him, you know, having this relationship and, you know, really taking a vested interest in every single one of our clients um, is, is, a, is a great success story. But one of the best um, stories that I tell all the time is, um, so the uh, the owner of this company, it's a, it's a it's like a five six minute story, so so bear with me. I hope I do it. We'll we'll strap in. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So in 20, 2004, the owner of NHP, uh, Brian Wagner, he graduates from uh, UBC with a chemical bioengineering degree in like uh, formulating vitamin C or whatever it was. It was for like a, an encapsulation chemist. So anyways. He goes for uh, a job interview at this company called Advanced Ortho Molecular Research, that's their largest encapsulating company on this planet. And he's sitting in the interview with this guy, and the guy's interviewing him. He's like, "Okay, so like you got to come in, and you got to run a team of six people, and you know we got these clients, Jameson Labs and Swiss Boat Remedies, and you got to write over-the-counter licensing." And and this guy just keeps telling him all these things that he has to do. And so Brian's sitting in the chair, and he's like just shaking his head, "Yes, yes, yes," and he's like, "I have no clue." What this guy is asking me to do, I am not qualified to do any of this. Uh, but I, I know how like big it's going to be. I just keep shaking my head yes. So he leaves the interview not thinking that he's uh, he's going to get the job. Uh, you know, a couple of days later, congratulations, uh, we've gone through like your CV and uh, we want to offer you the position. Uh, you know, show up in the next two uh, two weeks from now. You're going to have an orientation. And by the way, 
here's 86 100-page uh, manuals that you have to learn because on your first day you have an entry-level exam and then you'll be passed off to your team. So he's literally like completely freaking out. He takes the next two weeks, he teaches himself everything there is to know about formulating for encapsulation and vitamin C and goes through every single one of the manuals. He shows up for the for his first day of, of the job. He goes in to sit to take down the um, to take the exam, and he notices that uh, it's not his name on the on, on the sheet. It's it's Brian Smith or Brian something, but it's not Brian Wagner. And he's like, shit. <laughs> he's, he starts putting two and two together. He's like, was I the wrong? Did I show up for the wrong? <laughs> he does the exam, okay, because the guy wasn't there. He goes and he waits in a waiting room. This this guy comes in and he the guy says, well, you know. Uh, Mr. Smith, he goes, stop. He's like, listen, I am really, really sorry. Um, I, I, I came for the interview. I'm not the, the guy that you thought was uh, was here for the interview. I know it's completely like immoral, and I'm shaking my head, and I didn't know what I was doing, and then I thought I could da 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 The guy goes, you scored 98.6 on the exam, and no person in the history of this company has ever scored higher. He goes, I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your candor. I'll check that off in the box. Uh, it's too late. He's like, the, your team is waiting for you behind <laughs> these doors and, and, and go to work. So he full on takes the job. In the next six months, he, he proceeds to write some of the biggest like formulation over-the-counter licensings for companies like Jameson Labs, Swiss Herbal Remedies, Natural Factors, Vega. Now you have to understand something. This is like 20, 2004 when like you know protein and working out and all this stuff was like on the cusp of really exploding in Western Canada. So he saw a huge opportunity. What he did after this that six months was convince his entire team to quit their jobs. Hmm. So same six people that he was not supposed to be hired for, he manages to convince them to quit their jobs. They quit their jobs and they form NHP Consulting. So from 2004 to 2013, NHP Consulting writes 166,000 over-the-counter um, OTC licensing labels for massive nutraceutical companies. Okay, in 2013, the Conservative government launches the medical program for the MMPR in Canada. Brian Wagner is like, "Oh, cannabis! It's a natural health product. I can write applications for that." <laughs> so then he starts writing the applications for for this. Uh, over the over so from 2013 to when I get hired uh, in December, we create this relationship. He launches CCI, knowing that there's he has the brand properly for the cannabis space. So now, uh, in April of 2017, I'm I'm full on working for the company, and I go to one of our clients in Western Canada, a company called TLS Terra Life Sciences. I show up for the um, for the site visit. It's a facility in Calgary. I, I, I come into the facility and it's um, I'm getting all these notepads that say AOR, AOR, and I'm like, oh, this is so funny. So this small Indian man comes into the boardroom and he goes, Michael, Michael, it's so pleasure to meet you. Um, sorry, guys, can I swear on this podcast? You sure can. <laughs> yeah. He goes, he goes, so nice to meet you. He goes, let me tell you something about Brian Wagner, that motherfucker. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, I pay that fucker one day. I pay that fucker again. I'm like, what are you talking about? AOR, sorry, TLS is AOR. So the same company that hired Brian in 2004, fast forward uh, 13 years, <laughs> is one of our is one of NHP and CCI's biggest cannabis uh, companies. That's going to be the largest encapsulator of gel THC products uh, in the country. So the same company that Brian got his first ever job with, 
came back to him like 14 years later and is one of CCI's biggest clients. That's amazing. So that, so when, when, when I hear stories like that, I understand that like the guy that runs this company, everybody that belongs to this company, everybody that's an extension of this company has like some, this little bit of like magic to it. Because there's insane amount of coincidence with that entire story. And then when <laughs> I walk into that facility and this guy comes up and he goes, let me tell you something about your fucking mom. <laughs> uh, and then he's like, he's like, this is, and then I'm, so that story is, is amazing to tell because when you talk about like coincidences and nothing happens by accident, um, that's kind of like how I vision this space and like the way that I fell into this, the way that you create relationships in this space. And even down to like this podcast, if I was to give you guys like a bit of, of insight, it would be like education, like educate yourself about the space. It's all about relationships. It's all about attaching yourself to people that are like-minded, that understand like how we as Canadians and this space is going to roll out over the, like, the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, I love and it. I think that's a truly Canadian story. That can only happen <laughs> in, in somewhere like Canada where it's a huge country geographically. You know, you went from coast to coast on that but you still ran into the same people. I think that's great. Exactly. And that quality begets quality, right? You find, like I said, I still go back to you, you get enough smart people in a room and they'll figure it out. Yeah, I love it. So so what do you want to see next for the industry? What's what's Where do you see this going? <clears throat> so um, we're expecting, you know, the Cannabis Act and uh, recreational to be passed sometime in the summer. So um, if I was to hazard a guess and, and own you know, a philosophy, which is what I've been owning for a while, is that more towards like fall, we'll have retail storefronts, whether it's one or 40 or 400. So we'll be able to go in and buy flour and tinctured oil. I think probably summer or fall of 2019, the Canadian government will open up licensing for finished products. And then towards the end of 2019, probably beginning of 2020, you know, there'll be an entire other category opened up in terms of edibles, vape pens, concentrates. And then I think over like the next, you know, um, you know, two to five years, branding will open up. I think the whole East Coast will open up in terms of um, private enterprise. I don't think um, provinces like Ontario and Quebec will, will be able to own um, those storefronts in terms right. of like the SAQ and the LCBO. I, I don't see that happening. Um, and and I and I own some of the other uh, philosophies that I use about this is where we start, not where we end up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a forever optimist, and I just think that. Cannabis boils down to the experience, and I think on a on a holistic, high level, that's life, right? It's all about the experience. So, the other thing that we're dealing with is this is not a uh, at the end of the day, this is a health product, right? So it's going to cure cancer. We're not talking about alcohol, tobacco, gambling. Um, so I think once the doctors get involved, the stigma gets dropped, um, we'll see a completely different program in like five years. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I really do hope it continues in that direction, and I think uh, that's a pretty good way to sum it up. It's all an experience, and, and everyone, I think what's really cool is that we're all on the forefront of this. Um, so it's really cool for us to watch, for you to be a part of, you know, us getting involved in our, in our small way. Um, I think it's just a really exciting time to, to be a part of. So, so yeah, I wanted to thank you again for all your time. I mean, those were great stories you had to share. We appreciate it. Um I'd, obviously, people know how to get in touch with you if they want to, you know, use cannabis compliance services. But uh, you mentioned also that you had a blog. Do you want to plug that at all? Yeah, um, sure. You can follow me on uh, Twitter. I'm extremely active. It's at MMJ Mike Elkin. 
Um, and something else that's really cool is we have about 20 of our um, subject matter experts on, uh, on social media. Um, we also are firm believers that this is where this space is going to live on you know, places like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitch, YouTube. Um, you know, the, that's where we think that uh, the biggest benefits will be. Um, we also have an Instagram account. It's underscore CC Inc. Um, and then our website is CannabisCompliance.com where you can find tons of information in the space. Amazing. Thank you again so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Have a great day and good luck.